course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on fourth down and one. So, anyways, with that, time jerks. Welcome to Fourth and One. I'm Todd Palmer, joined by Nick Jacobs, and this will be, uh, you know, more of a traditional off-season one. But I really hope you guys, uh, if you missed the the podcast with Chris Cabot um, from the CEO of Steinberg Sports Entertainment, and, and want to know a little bit about, you know, what the process for free agency next week is going to be like, I really encourage you guys to check it out. But this will be more of the, the typical format you get used to, um, with Nick providing analysis and me providing jokes. Uh, as we look toward the opening of... Uh, is it jokes or is it you just making hug references over and over again? I mean, I would like to think I bring more than strictly hug references to the podcast. But okay. yes, that is a big part of my repertoire. It is definitely. And if you were a major league pitcher, it would definitely be one of your four main pitches. <laughs> right, right. I mean, yeah, it's definitely my changeup for sure. Um, and I, is I'm it a, your changeup, though, if we know it's coming every time? I mean, I'm, you know, I mean, you, you work the change up off the fastball. Yeah. So most, enough. most of what I'm doing is setting you up to shine. And then it <laughs> occasionally I throw in the change up. <laughs> okay. If you say so, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I would say it, you know, it's a plus change up. Yeah. So, um, I mean, look, baseball's back so we can make these references without feeling sad about it. So I was never going to feel sad if baseball didn't come back. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the ball. I mean, don't get me wrong. I enjoy seeing a baseball game and all that stuff. And it's nice to have on in the background <clears throat> as background noise from time to time, even if the Royals are losing by eight runs. Um, but you know, that gives you something to do and you know, uh, until training camp starts at the end of July. Dude, it's football all the time in my world. Okay. <laughs> like people, people are like, ah, you, you like having a break from football right now? I was like, what break? <laughs> I mean, I'm still watching games and coaches film and I'll be looking at draft prospects here before too long. And then, you know, and then it'll, the only real break that honestly probably does happen is probably, I don't know, between June and July there for a little bit until training camp starts. Yeah. And that's it's really when, the only window. Yeah. And, and the Royals will be playing baseball by then. So that'll be good. <laughs> it will definitely be playing baseball during <laughs> that time. Yes. <laughs> Um, all right. So I think today we were going to talk about like uh, a perfect, what would be an ideal free agency for the chiefs coming up and for each of us, our, our picks, not right. And well, and they'll probably be fairly similar. Cause as we've talked about, um, you know, I mean, I think we're on the same page. Defensive line needs to be, we are never on the same page, Todd, never. <laughs> okay. So, so clearly you want to blow up the offensive line again, but I think they should focus on, you know, defensive line. And like wide receiver, I don't think they should focus on offensive line and quarterback like you. Yes, I think the Chiefs should sign a very expensive over the over the age of thirty quarterback with a big backup name who could be the backup yeah. for Patrick Mahomes, just in case, just in case. Um, you know, trade for J- you know, sign Jameis Winston or something like that, right? Sure, sounds <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> That would, that would be, that would be, yes, that would be ideal. The bigger the name and the bigger the salary cap, the more I want him as a backup for the chiefs. That's exactly what I'm saying. Todd. Um, Somebody's going to take me seriously about that, right? right. <laughs> let's, uh, let's clean a few housekeeping items. Obviously, as expected, the chiefs um, franchise tagged Orlando Brown jr. Earlier this week. Um, yeah. I still, yeah. I still suspect they're going to be working out a long-term deal. But right now, you know, going into next week, his salary cap number is going to be, um, you know, almost 16.7 million. So when, when the new league year starts on the 16th, 
they're going to have to account for that 16 million unless there's a long-term deal in place by then. Uh, and I su- strongly suspect there won't be by that time. They've got until July 15th to work it out, but they're going to have to carry that 16.7 number. So how does that affect what the Chiefs are going to be able to do in this first wave of free agency? Because right now, Frank Clark's still on the roster with a big cap number. Um, you know, they haven't announced any sort of extension for Tyreek Hill, although, uh, you know, I think they're working on that. They've got the flexibility with Patrick Mahomes' roster bonus. There's some things they can do, but so far they haven't done those. And then having to carry that franchise cap or franchise tag number is going to limit the Chiefs a little bit until they, until, unless and until they work something out, right? Yeah. Um, in that regard, like the one thing I want to say about that is the article that came out that NFL, uh, NFL.com put out there that Mike Garofolo got with one of his mentors, Jamal Brown. Um, I know I said I talked about it on this podcast. Yeah. It, it, the art, some of the quotes in the article kind of bothered me personally because whenever you, whenever uh, Jamal Brown made reference to like, you know, Orlando supposedly and like this is where I'm not saying that he you know I'm not saying he said this I'm not saying he's a spokesperson for this um you know this may not be exactly 100% how Orlando feels may not be the case so that's why I'm taking part of it with a grain of salt um and I'm not assuming that like this is 100% him but like some of the quotes in those articles I just if if I was somebody who was consulting for him type of thing I would be like don't don't let somebody say those type of things when you're in a negotiation because, um, you know, because you're talking about, hey, you want to be there. The, the article referenced how you want to be there for Patrick Mahomes, help him with Pat, Patrick Mahomes at the wedding. Then he had his charity event coming up, which I know is very important to him with his dad having been a diabetic. And, you know, I completely understand that. Um, and then he was going to get into the best shape of his life was the quote that was the first one that stuck out to me. Now, the problem you, the problem you create there in that, in that quote, if somebody, if a GM anywhere around the league was taking that is it kind of comes across in a way that you football is not a primary priority for you. It's there. It's part of life, but it's not necessarily, it's more of a job than a passion type of thing. That's how that quote comes across may not be the intention, but that's how that kind of comes across in that regard. And then to say that the person's going to get in the best shape of their life. That's also kind of inferring that they already weren't in the best shape of their life when it was a contract year. So like, that's another thing that if a GM wanted to, I'm not saying Brett Beach should do this, but I'm saying just a GM around the NFL, they could point to those quotes and reference that and kind of use that to knock a player. And then on top of that, I know it said that I, I mean, I had heard that he'd, you know, that he moved on from his previous agent. And so that was kind of a, to move on to, to move on from your agent, whenever, you know, a, a chance for the biggest contract of your life and the biggest money of your life's coming up. Like that's kind of something you kind of want to have locked in and ready to go and kind of have them handle that part of it for you. And that he's kind of mauling, you know, if he's going to represent himself or do that, that's also kind of another thing where, you know, you, when you, when from players I've talked to over the years, when they go into negotiation, it's better to have a buffer. That's an agent that can talk to the, they can talk to the GM. So if they have to say some things about why they're giving the cost here or there, it doesn't, it takes out the emotion and the, you know, it doesn't make anything personal. And so that can, I, I think if a player's representing themselves, I think that makes it a lot tougher to not take some of the comments that may have to be made during the negotiation personal 
or the offers that are being sent back and forth type of thing to where that it's worth the money to invest in an agent to take care of that for you. And in my opinion, from what I've heard over the years, so this, the article itself, I mean, it it just, it, it had some stuff in there that I'm like, I'm like, you really don't want somebody saying that on your behalf. Like you just, you know, to, to give the illusion that they're saying it on your behalf, like that, that's not, it just wasn't the how to of how to get top, top notch money. Um, cause it, uh, you know, I'd also talked about, he want to be the top paid left tackle and he felt like he let Veach and them down and that type of stuff. And that's, that's Adam Roll that he felt that way and everything. But at the same time, like, you know, I mean, whenever you watched him in games, like there was times where he kind of looked like he'd gotten heavier from when they got him and as the season went on. And so, you know, when you're going into a contract year, you got to leave no, you got to leave no doubt in a lot of people's minds. If you want that big money, if you want to make the top notch 24, 25 million a year at a left tackle spot, you have to leave no doubt for them to not be able to poke holes into what they're going to pay for you. Yeah. And I mean, to your point, like this is the business side of things. Right. And, and, um, you know, you hear about it a lot more. I, I think you hear about it a lot in like the arbitration process with, major league baseball where, I mean, teams can be pretty ruthless pointing out your flaws and, and the things that you aren't great at. And look, obviously it's the agent's job to build you up. I mean, I thought it was interesting hearing from Chris Cabot on, on the podcast we dropped earlier this week. Um, you know, the length he goes to, um, to paint his clients in the best light and stuff like that. Um, and certainly teams often feel that way about a player but in a, in the context of a negotiation, um, your job is to show why we think our offers fair, even if it's a little bit less than than what you uh, were hoping to get. You know, and I mean, that's just the way business and contracts work. Like the team's trying to get the best deal for themselves, and the player's trying to get the best deal for himself. Um, and and yeah, I mean, you don't want it to become personal, um, you know, and you don't want it to. Um, leave, you know, lingering ill will toward the front office, toward the coaching staff, um, you know, or anything like that, you know, because at the end of the day, assuming that you get a contract worked out, you've got to go to, you know, you've got to keep working with these people. So you've got to have that relationship in place and healthy and functional. Um, and that doesn't always happen um, during a process like this. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying that that's the case with Orlando Brown, but right. But that's the, that's a concern. Yeah. And, and like the other thing that kind of, you know, where it made the comment in the article that he, that he wanted to be a Super Bowl champ, like part of, part of the thing is where that can kind of, if somebody wants to twist that in a way, a way that they could twist that is like, okay, if you want to be a Super Bowl champion, then, you know, your team may need help financially. So like, why didn't you have an agent in place to be able to help financially to where the team could be able to get some other players kind of help everybody achieve the goal of winning a Super Bowl. So it's just all those little, it just, it left a lot of openings with those quotes to where they can be twisted in a way to where it, you know, you just, it, it would have been better if that, if uh, some of those quotes had never come out, that would have been a more ideal situation in that regard. But I mean, look, I mean, I'm not going to pretend that he's, you know, he's not one of the, you know, one of the ideal tackles right now that somebody would love to have if he was on the market. I mean, there's going to be teams. That, and, and the other problem that comes into play is since he doesn't have an, he doesn't have an agent. 
if he is trying to maximize his value right now, um, he can't be a part of the negotiations on Monday and Tuesday when other tackles are getting paid around the league and all that money's available. Like the, if they have a certified agent, they can talk to people. Well, on the other hand, if I remember correctly, players that um, are representing themselves at that time, they, they can't talk until, you know, the formal beginning, you know, happens of free agency. So, I mean, that's a couple days lost in that end. And that's a lot of preparation lost the weeks before where you don't have somebody representing you and kind of going through that stuff for you to get you prepared for that and to kind of, you know, do whatever needs to be done in that regard. So it's just, it seemed like there's, and, and then, you know, and if he wants to stay in Kansas city and he just wants to get paid a certain amount and it's really not top left tackle money, then, I mean, it's fine going down the road that he's going down, but it's just that article. I don't know if it painted the picture that, you know, you kind of want headed into a potential big long-term deal. And, and honestly, though, the impression that that I get, and obviously this is just, you know, from a distance, so take it with a grain of salt. But the impression I get is that he wants to be in Kansas City and he's right. and he's going to try to find a deal that will make that happen. Um, but every player's motivation is different. You know, I mean, it, it's pretty clear that it was very important to Trent uh, Trent Williams to be the highest paid um, tackle in the game last year when he was with negotiated. Cause he, you know, he got $10,000 more than David Bakhtiari on that contract. That was clearly a, a high motivation for him. Um, he wasn't willing to take a million dollars less than Bakhtiari got. Um, yeah. And, and, and David Bakhtiari even, I think made some comment on social media about mm-hmm. it being a little petty, mm-hmm. you know, that he, you know, he made sure his contract included just a skosh more, um, you know, so that he could, you know, it didn't even really reset the market, but it, you know, it sent, it proved a point, sent a message. Right. Yeah. Um, and for some players, that's, that's important for other players, you know, and, and Chris Cabot talked about that, this on the podcast for other players in their career, winning a championship might be a bigger goal. So they might be willing to take a bit of a discount if it means being in a situation where they think they have their best chance to win, um, you know, but for a guy like Orlando Brown, this is his first bite at free agency. He's never going to have a chance to make more money than right now. Um, you know, and for some guys, you know, the difference between a hundred and $120 million contract, um, you know, may be important to him. I mean, uh, you know, for other guys, it may not be because, you know, I mean, either way it's right. It's life changing money. You're going to be set for life with either one. But if, if you're asking me, would I rather have 120 million or whether I, would I rather have a hundred million? I mean, I'll take the extra 20 million, Nick. I'm, I'm, you know, I would, I would certainly, you know, want to get the maximum value I could, um, out of that deal. But I, I think, Orlando, I think they'll work something out. It just right. may not be in time to help the chiefs in this initial wave of free agency to make some additional moves. Yeah. I think the way I've mentally prepared for is like what, whatever they end up doing with his contract long-term is probably what's going to help them pay uh, for the cap room on their draft picks and kind of more towards training camp than in an ideal world, more towards that than specifically right now in this moment. Right. And and like we talked about before, like if Melvin Ingram wants to be here, but he doesn't necessarily want to, be obligated to participate in mandatory workouts and wants to wait till July to sign, then that me, you know, if the chiefs get a long-term deal by July 15th, then maybe all of a sudden there's some money that you can throw at a Melvin Ingram type or another veteran who maybe doesn't have a home 
uh, in the weeks leading up to training camp that you think can fit and fill a need on your roster. Um, you know, like there could, you know, that that's a situation where that money could come in handy down the road, but it's not going to help you in the quest to, uh, you know, next week when, when all the deals start getting thrown around. So, yeah. And the other thing I want to say to people, I keep getting asked about it. Hopefully they're listening to this. If the chiefs make Frank Clark, a June one designation, they do not get any cap relief until June 2nd. Right. So like that's what I hope people understand. Like there's no cap relief in, in doing that move till June 2nd. Right. And that's, I mean, other than the Mahomes, um, the, other than the Mahomes restructure, a Tyreek Hill extension, um, things like that. I mean, the biggest thing they can do, the biggest two things they could do um, to create cap room was release Anthony Hitchens, which they've already done. And then it would be to, um, you know, to release um, Frank Clark. Um, and, you know, it, it, if they do it a post June one designation, they could split the dead money over this year and next year. But to your point, they wouldn't get any of that cap relief now. They can get about, I think it's about thirteen million now, um, if they were to cut him, uh, or you know, and if and obviously if they decide they want to keep him and they do like a massive restructure, they could, you know, that's another option they would have. If they wait till June first, they could get twenty million, but they wouldn't be able to use that twenty million until after June first. And so again, that 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 kind of ties their hands as far as what's going to happen next week in this initial wave of free agency where the biggest deals are going to be announced. Well, and it also just, it, it carries the money over two years, which in a way, I mean, you just, I'm always a person take care of it now, have it done and over with and have your books clear next year type of thing. That's just, right, but that's just me personally. Yeah. You're going to have, you can either take the $13 million hit this year, or you can take six and a half million this year and next year with a post June one cut, um, you know, but, but if there's somebody you want to go after now, then, then you probably need to get um, that, that done. I, there's no way Frank Clark plays uh, with a cap number of 26.3 million this year. I just, there's no, I don't see that being a, a, a viable option for the chiefs. So something's going to have to happen, but what, what mechanism they ultimately go with, who knows? Todd, you make points I can't dispute. It's time for uh, the plan, Todd. Time for the plan. All right. So um, I'm not going to interrupt you on your plan. You just go with your plan right now. <laughs> all right. So um, if it, you know, with Mike Williams now off the market, right? Ridiculous. Um, Chargers <laughs> out here trying to win offseason championships. Ridiculous. Right. I mean, yeah, they traded for Khalil Mack. And I'll say this Khalil Mack. Um, was having a great season last year before the foot injury put him on IR. He had six sacks in, in seven games. Maybe he was on track to, to kind of rebound. But Khalil Mack hasn't had double-digit sacks in a season since 2018. So um, he's been declining a bit. Um, I think that's fair to say. I mean, he was still getting eight, nine sacks a season. But he was not, you know, getting the, the 11, 12, you know, sacks when he was you know, in the running for defensive player of the year, things like that. Uh, now you've got the injury concerns cropping up. I know people are freaking out about, you know, Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa and how that's going to be a problem in, in the division now. Um, until I see those guys on this, on the field together for 10, 12, 14 games, um, you know, I, I'm in, 
I'm not entirely sure that that's a, a that that's the game changer that people expect it to be, but that's just my two cents. Yeah, I mean, look, it it is what it is with the with the Broncos going and getting Russell Wilson and um and losing Noah Fant. That was that was not you know. It, I understand yeah, the Drew, the Drew Lock trade. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I know that's who you're going to reference it, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, yeah, because Noah Fant was a good tight end. He was a really yeah, good tight end. So I mean, for them to lose that, that's more than people realize. And Shel- um, Shelby Harris is a good player too. Right. Um, but I mean, new regime, they're going to do what they want. So we'll see how that works out for them. But yeah, I know between that and between uh, the Raiders making their, you know, the, the Raiders, we'll see what they do. And then the chargers making their moves. I mean, look at, at the end of the day, I mean, this is a massive off season for Brett Veach and the chiefs front office. And like, I don't, I don't say that lightly because the bills are on their heels. The Bengals are on their heels and, you know, and then you've got the Chargers that are on their heels, and the Broncos are trying to be on their heels, and the Raiders they're gonna they're gonna try some stuff to get up to that par too to try to win the AFC West. So, I mean, there's a lot of teams that are after the Chiefs, and they're not just gonna be okay with like, well, you know, like I mean, you know, the Chiefs are the Chiefs. We'll try to you know try to you know hope hope we can do our best. I mean, you know, so it's just like there's this is an off season where we we all know where the Chiefs roster deficiencies are. We'll see what the front office feels like they're able to address both in free agency and the draft. And then like, I mean, you know, my, my bigger concern when I keep looking at it is long-term from that financial perspective, because they got less than 20 guys under contract next year. And then I think the following year is down to 12. So, I mean, you know, un- unless they're going to have a whole bunch of undrafted free agents, you know, <laughs> on the roster, like, I mean, there's, you know, th- this is a year to kind of settle things in for that next three-year, four-year run you're hoping and to try to be able to be able to match what everybody else is doing so that you can kind of withstand everything that's that teams are going to try to throw at you, especially if there's injuries on the roster to where it doesn't completely wreck your season. Yeah, so for me, I mean, we've seen, you know, Seattle traded Russell Wilson. They released Bobby Wagner. They're in a bit of a teardown mode, right? So if I'm Brett Veach, what I, I'm absolutely reaching out to Seattle and seeing what it would, hey, does this mean DK Metcalf and or Tyler Lockett are also available? I, I want to know, like, how much of a, of a teardown are they going to do? Um, and, and obviously, I think DK is a better player uh, overall, higher ceiling player. Um, and so, you know, he would be my, my first target there, um, maybe as a trade. Um, be, and, and the reason I say that is because, well, I think Tyler Lockett could be an interesting piece to add. He's already got a big contract. I mean, his, his cap number for next year is only 10 point, uh, you know, a little over 10 million, but it goes up to 17 million, um, and, uh, in 2023 and then up to 24 million, the next two years, 2024, 2025. Um, now, you know, Metcalf, you know, you've got him on the one year rookie deal here, uh, the last year of his rookie deal, I think. Um, you know, and if you trade him, you lose the ability to, to execute that, that fifth year option. And he's probably going to cost you 20 million, but you could structure a deal there where, you know, it's, it's front loaded and do some of the things with the roster bonus. Uh, it might be hard to commit big money to, to both him and Tyreek. But, um, I mean, the reality is you need as many weapons around Patrick Mahomes as he enters the prime of his career to maximize this window. Um, you know, and the chiefs don't have the luxury that the Patriots had 
um, when they were building their dynasty of being in a terrible division. The Bills were bad. The Jets were bad. The Dolphins were bad. It was easy for the New England Patriots to ride into the postseason year after year after year and always be in contention to win a championship. And that's why Andy Reid focuses so much on winning the AFC West. But the the road that the Chiefs face, if they want to try to become, uh, you know, a you know a, the next NFL dynasty like the the Patriots were, the the road's just harder because the Chargers are better, the Broncos are better, the Raiders are better than those other AFC West te- or those AFC East teams were, you know, during the two thousands and the two thousand tens. So the the Chiefs have to be able to match the firepower. And I think either one of those guys would be nice additions to the offense, Lockett and DK Metcalf. I don't know how, um, you know, so so I'm making that call. And I'm still going to try to see if I can get Juju Smith-Schuster on a three-year, $27 million, three-year, $30 million deal. Um, I'm hoping that a guy like Zadarius Smith gets released. Um, he's entering the last year of his contract. But if he gets released, you can work, you know, work something out. You're not going to have to carry over that. $27.6 million uh, cap hit he's scheduled to get this year. But I think a guy like Zadarius Smith, if you can also re-sign Melvin Ingram, and then I, I maybe still target a guy, and, and, he, and maybe he's not a guy that hits in that initial wave, but comes in that second wave, like an Emmanuel Ogba that comes back and then also invests some capital there. Um, if, you know, if that doesn't work out, then I think you start, you know, you start looking at defensive tackle and you've got a great list of, of potential candidates up on KSHB.com as far as the defensive tackle candidates with guys like Tim Settle, Larry Ogunjobi and BJ Hill from the Bengals, uh, DJ Jones or, you know, from the 49ers, guys like that. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't hate the idea of Malik Collins um, from the Texans, you know, like if you re-sign Derek Nottie on a deal. You bring in Malik Collins, who maybe has more of a an ability to get up field and, and split the double teams. You can rotate those guys at a one technique, and then you've got Chris Jones and Colin Saunders, who you kind of rotate at the the three tech, um, you know, and and you know, and then you build out from there. Um, I think that that would be. It's not splashy, like it's not as sexy as going to you know get a Von Miller or something like that. But I think that gives you a really solid base. Um, on that defensive line rebuild um, and and gives you a lot of options. And then, um, you know, look, if you strike out in all those areas, then maybe that's when I think you look at a JC Jackson, um, you know, and, and that's where you spend your money. You know, if you don't like any of the, the guys who are going to command bigger money in the, in the edge rusher uh, or wide receiver market. Um, but that would be kind of my approach. And then, uh, you know, like I said, I, if you strike out and you need to use more draft on the defensive line, then maybe that's when you address the secondary through free agency, make a run at a JC Jackson, and then fill in some other gaps at safety in the draft. So that's Todd Palmer's plan people. So it's going to get people. Is that, is that your full plan right there? Well, I mean, look, I think, you know, I think, I think the chiefs because of their, their cap limitations right now, are going to be hard pressed to be active in signing two or three really splashy free agents in the first wave, unless, unless there's some significant news that comes out over the weekend early next week, which is still possible. But barring that, I think the chiefs are going to have to make moves in that second wave of free agency where the numbers aren't quite as big and, you know, and the players aren't maybe um, as well known, but those can also be franchise altering moves. I mean, 
Uh, you know, I mean, deals like, you know, we've talked about the Priest Holmes deal was one of those moves. It wasn't a first wave of free agency, big time move, but it was an ideal scheme fit. And it ended up being a transformative deal, um, you know, for the Chiefs moving forward. There are those opportunities down the road, even if the Chiefs, you know, aren't super active and throwing huge money around in, in the initial wave of free agency. Yeah, um, for me, from a plan perspective, the number one thing that I really hope the Chiefs are go get in free agency, and if they have to pay expensively for it, then they have to pay expensively for it. Um, but for me, like uh, they got to go get a number two receiver, somebody that can complement Tyreek and Travis. If you want that offense to hum, I, I personally, I would go out and get two veterans, and I would I would make that happen. So if that's going to end up being a combination of if Amari Cooper gets released, Amari Cooper yeah. with. Juju Smith Schuster. And I know that may sound like, well, how can I afford both of those? Trust me. There's, there's ways that I can get done if they want to. Um, I personally, unless Odo Beckham's willing to take a one year prove it deal and you've already got some insurances in front of him, like that would, that would be an added bonus type of thing. But I don't think that I think he's going to want his money. And I think the Rams are going to be the ones that'll give him his money in return to come, to come back. So I, I think there's, there's definitely an opportunity for the chiefs to be able to, get a good number two and to get an additional veteran receiver. I mean, selfishly, I would, it would be a dream for me to see Cedric Wilson on this team, even after the Mike Williams dream died. Um, but I, I think that she's can get a cheaper version of what Mike Williams brings to the table elsewhere, whether that's through draft or potentially if there's a free agent out there, I mean, that may be where they end up wanting to get DJ Chark from the Jaguars. If his physical could check out for him coming off his issues um injury wise so i mean those are those are kind of primary like i'll, I'll be keeping personally locked in on what happens with amari cooper if he gets released i'll be keeping tabs on cedric wilson i'll be keeping tabs on um <clears throat> juju smith schuster as well because i think juju smith schuster i think he's flexible to be the two or the slot receiver and i think he takes a lot of the reps away from travis kelsey so that Kelsey can increase his longevity, but the chiefs have to get, in my opinion, they have to get a veteran receiver for that roster. I mean, Allen Robinson's another guy, but I, that, I mean, I, I get it. It's just, I think he's going to be really expensive. I think he's going to be Mike Williams expensive out there. And you know, I was willing to pay that for Mike Williams because I, in this offense, I think they would get uh, everything they wanted financially from what they would invest. But I, d I don't know if Allen Robinson's going to be the same way. Um, well, and there's I, always the question of, you know, I mean, Matt Nagy's back on the staff and, and Alan Robinson has said some things that are critical. So, you know, there'd have to be some uh, conversations that took place before the Chiefs could consider that move. Yeah. Yeah. So if you listen to our previous pods, we've talked about that a little bit. So, right. And, um, he, he may have done a podcast with Steve Smith where he chatted about those type of things. <laughs> yeah. So you can check that out if you want to see on that one. So I don't. But I mean, that may be a point where it may be something they have to revisit because at the time Mike Williams is available and now he's not. Um, I, this is a selfish one for me, but like I've talked about before, an explosive running back. There's a couple on the market. I'm going to be curious to see what happens with J.D. McKissick. That may be a tier two, tier three thing. And and Mostert as well, one of those two guys. Uh, that would be a tier two, tier three part of free agency. But I would love to see either one of those guys here along to pair with Jarek McKinnon and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And I know that that seems silly that, you know, I think of that being a priority in free agency, but I just, 
I just kind of want those situations to be resolved at receiver and running back. So you don't have to worry about them draft wise. And you can kind of focus more on drafting defense, which is and potentially offensive tackle is kind of where I'm kind of hoping in that regard. Um, after that, after those situations, and then well, I'm curious to see what they're going to figure out at the offensive tackle spot. If they end up wanting to invest in somebody at the, for the right tackle position, or how they're going to shape that whole thing with Eric Fisher being back on the market. I'm curious to see what Taron Armstead gets on the open market there. I think he's going to get paid really, really well. Um, defensively, I, I feel like the Chiefs have to invest in at least one pass rusher at end and, a, and either rotate. You either get two ends or you get uh, end and a tackle, but I think you have to get that combination and free agency in some capacity. So, I mean, for me personally, if Zadarius Smith gets released by the Packers, that jumps up to my number one because he brings the same type of intensity and level that um, Melvin Ingram had and his ability to hand fight and just how strong and powerful he was. I understand he had the back issue last year, but uh, the game he came back in and the snap counts he played for the Packers in the playoff game against the 49ers, like he he showcased his old self. And I mean, if you're getting Zadarius Smith, you're getting it with the mindset that he'll be around two or three years. But you're gonna have to buy. You got to buy yourself some time on the defensive line while you try to draft and develop some of the defensive line to be able to be effective in that scheme. And then Emmanuel Ogba, I think he's gonna get paid comfortably. But if they had like a Zadarius and an Ogba, those would be two powerful rushers that I I would personally love to see on this roster. And then if they if they were looking for the interior guy, obviously my guy my top guy, and that's still Tim Settle. Like he's a very athletic one tech that I think would really cause some problems and pair well with Chris Jones to where I think the chiefs could have a lot of fun with that, especially in their scheme. And he's a good run defender. He just, he needs somewhere to go. And he's only 24 years old. So, I mean, like, you know, you're going to get him in, you're getting him before the prime of his career. Like he's getting ready to start the peak of his career and you won't have to pay You shouldn't have to pay top dollar for that. And I'm talking like elite money. Like you're getting him on that second contract. And by the time he turns his prime, like you're hoping to give him an even nicer contract at that point. So that's kind of where you want to go with that linebacker is a spot that I'm not personally, I wouldn't invest in free agency unless it's like vet minimum. And that's like when you're getting to like tier tier two or tier three, if there's something you just can't pass up for somebody at that will spot, or maybe even the Sam spot or just depth in general. Um, Cause I think, you know, you just, it's just, you, you got to focus more on uh defensive line and secondary right now. And then we'll see a corner. I mean, for me, obviously Witherspoon, like a guy that I'm, I'm really intrigued by for the chiefs that I think could be uh, a good one year investment. I'm kind of curious to see what ends up happening with Malcolm Brown. I know he's visiting the Texans on, on, uh, on Friday, but that's a guy that I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by what's going to, potentially happen with him. And I'm curious to see if there's any other corners that are going to come out on the market that we'll be surprised about. Um, I mean, JC Jackson, obviously if the chiefs could find a way to get him, I mean, he's, you know, it, I mean, that he, he's, he's one of the top notch corners out there. That's going to be worth the investment that you make in that. If the chiefs elect to go down that road and invest that type of money, I'm not going to be upset if they do that because with what they're getting ready to face coming down the road here for the next couple of years, having a, a reliable number one corner is going to be a good thing for him. I think Witherspoon could be a really good number two for him. Um, I am curious to see what what's going to happen. Darius Williams from the Rams where he's going to end up. And if he's, because I think he's going to kind of set the Charverius Ward market on that end. Cause I think I'm expecting Williams to probably get 10 million a year. And I'm curious if Charverius is going to get that or just right under that type of money. Um, and then safety wise, like that's, 
that's where I think that's kind of a, if they're going to invest big in that regard, it's going to be Marcus. It's going to be Marcus Williams from the saints. If you really feel like you need that range, then Marcus Williams is going to be that guy. But if you're willing to go with more of the tier two, tier three range, I think that's where Xavier Woods or kind of Quandre Diggs potentially come in, or even Jordan Whitehead. If you're wanting more of Whitehead to be your physical strong safety presence and kind of have Xavier be that versatile guy, because the chiefs are going to need three reliable safeties because they'd like to have safeties on the field and Steve Spagnuolo's scheme. And you need three guys, one that can be the physical run support, cover the tight ends, running backs in the flats. Then you have another person that can kind of be versatile. Then you have a guy who's got range over top. So who do you want to pair with Thornhill in that equation? Is that, are you bringing Tyron Matthew back on that one? You know, so for me personally, like if, if, if we're up to me and I'm, I'm making the signings priority, number one for me is still, a really, really good number two possession receiver, an additional receiver to go with it. I still want to lock in that explosive back while while you can running back. And I mean, there may be some guy out there that they they're confident in getting down the road, but for me, I just don't like to take chances. I want to have situations resolved. Um, and then at minimum, I, I need to. See, I would literally like to see two defensive linemen that can be pass rushers, and then get some secondary help because you got to give yourself the flexibility overall once the draft comes around to where you can take the best players on the defensive line and in the secondary and get a developmental receiver and some future offensive tackles. Like I think that's where they're going to have to really kind of use the draft to kind of supplement that team long term for where they need to go. And the good news is I think this draft lines up very well with some of the Chiefs' long-term needs. Um, This is a very good draft, I think, for edge rushers, um, and this is a very good draft for wide receivers. So there are going to be some big names that fly off the board early, but I think there's still going to be some quality edge uh, players and some quality receivers that are available in rounds two and three this year um, just because of how, how many quality players are available in the draft. So um, I I think that that could also factor into the chief's decision, right? I mean, if they feel comfortable with the depth and some of the players that could be there, I mean, that could alter what, you know, um, what uh, the chiefs are thinking. Cause I don't think there are a lot of great cornerbacks in this draft. Um, I mean, I think, I think any team would love to add Derek Stingley out of LSU, but he's probably going to be gone in, in the top 10 picks that's not a realistic option for the chiefs. So if if that's a huge priority for them, um, you know, do they, do they then look at JC Jackson and want to throw money at him or, or are they comfortable that they can get a legerious Sneed in the fourth round this year? I mean, you know, there's some of that evaluation that, uh, you know, we just don't know. I will say, you know, the chiefs have shown an ability to um, draft and develop some, some usable pieces in the secondary um, Rashad, you know, in the later rounds, uh, you know, when you think about Rashad Fenton, Legereus Sneed, guys like that, who, who've uh, made an impact, um, and have turned into really solid, um, starters and or rotational pieces for the chiefs. Um, you know, there's been a lot of years where we've been predicting the chiefs to take a corner in the first round. So maybe this is a year everybody gives up on that idea. And then Brett Beach and company throw a curveball, and that's the way they go. Um, you know, I mean, that's entirely possible too, but I do think that the edge depth and the wide receiver depth in this draft class is going to be a factor um, as teams kind of look at what they can and what they need to accomplish in free agency and what is possible to do in the draft. Yeah. And that's where also, like we talked about with the chiefs roster, both short-term and long-term, 
um, where they're going to need some cost control draft picks and they're going to need more players that kind of they have under control to help fill out their roster for the next couple of years, not just this year. That's where I think if if the Chiefs make a trade for for players like you really want it to be late round fifth, sixth, you know, seventh type of round, you know, pick you're giving up. And I know the Chiefs are missing one of those, but like th- that's kind of the range if you are doing that. But even then, like it's just it's kind of at a point where like the Chiefs they need all the draft picks they have, and they could definitely use even more um, of even more draft picks if there was a way to come about that, especially in the first four rounds to kind of help them kind of add, add pieces for short term and long term. Cause like if they do this free agency, right. And they do this draft right this year, like they're in a much more comfortable spot and a really comfortable cap situation for both uh, for the long term for the next two to three years of this franchise after this year. So like, this is kind of the year where you got to reload in a lot of regard and be able to kind of build it up to where you have, 30, 35 guys on the roster long-term um, for the next couple of years that kind of help you stabilize and kind of keep things steady for what you're trying to do in terms of keeping continuity for, for that reload to be able to try to maintain that AFC championship, Super Bowl type of runs. Right. And they, they will get an extra third round pick or they should get an extra third round pick after Ryan Poles um, went to the bears as a GM. Um, I'm seeing, you know, some projections that um, uh, maybe, you know, um, you know, they could get, you know, they, I mean, they, maybe there's a comp pick coming at some, but I, I if they get any, that's going to be late, a, late rounds. Yeah, it's a, a late round. And even that one, I think for the most part, that, that would be like a, that would be a very, very late round pick if they even get that one. Yeah, I mean, you're probably talking like a seventh round pick, um, you know, but I mean, look, it, it gives them a little bit more ammunition to get a player they really like rather than, you know, uh, you know, than having to, you know, fight for it on the on the undrafted free agent market. But yeah, I mean, look, I think I think Brett Veach had a good draft last year. I think he's going to need to hit another home run this year um, with the picks they do have, like you said, because um, even with the cap going back up post pandemic, I mean, Patrick Mahomes isn't on that rookie contract anymore. You know, I mean, uh, you know, Tyreek Hill is going to need to get paid, you know, and, and, you know, I mean, those numbers are going to maybe won't come due this year, but you know, I mean, those costs are going to go up in the next few years. So the more guys you have that you have control of for four years on, on, on cheaper deals, the better off you're going to be in terms of having roster flexibility um, moving forward. And then, you know, and then the other thing is if, if you get those picks right, um, then it allows you to be more of a player in free agency if there is a glaring hole that you need to fill down the road. Yeah, and the thing about the comp picks, the thing I'll explain to people on that one is, um, so for example, last year, uh, comp picks for the most part, I know people really ask about that a great deal. Um, part of the comp pick situation is, for example, last year, the Chiefs lost Sammy Watkins. So they, they lose Sammy Watkins, but they signed Joe Tooney. Yeah. So because they signed Joe Tooney, that canceled out Sammy Watkins. So then the next best player that potentially could get them a comp pick is Damien Wilson. So since Damien, you know, since Damien Wilson, uh, his value was as a seventh round pick. If, if the chiefs get a comp pick this year, it's going to be because Damien Wilson signed a seventh round pick, you know, 
signed with the Jaguars, and that that would equal a, a comp pick. So depending what the Chiefs do in free agency this year and what they lose, um, especially some of the higher tier guys like a Tyron Matthew or Charvarius Ward, like those are potentially the guys if they lose them to free agency, then that's where, you know. You could get third or fourth round type guys out of that. If the Chiefs don't make any moves. So each move the Chiefs makes is going to cancel those guys out for the most part. So that's where I'm saying, like, you don't really bank on comp picks other than potentially the fact that you're going to get one for Ryan Poles this year and for next year. So that's that's why the comp pick, like, you don't don't really kind of – you know, people always like to, hey, okay, we're getting a compact for this one. It's you got to, you just got to let free agency play out because, it, you know, you don't know who all is going to sign until that formula is done for the year. Then, you know, you don't know who's going to cancel out who. So it's, it's just, you know, it's just something you get to kind of wait on. Yeah. Um, and I, I suspect I, I'm not entirely sure when that gets released, but yeah, I mean, Damian Wilson's the only, the only hope they have to, to get an extra pick this year. Um, um, that's normally during the owner's meeting. So it'll be, it'll be before the draft at sometime like late March to mid April, just depending on the, when they get their owner's meetings this year. Yeah. So it, yeah, it could be. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, we'll just see. We'll, we'll I see. Already, when... I already gave you the timetable. So it's, it's, it's just like, there's variations of owner's meetings that they have and they try to leak it out or they publish it out around them. Yeah. So, all right. Anything else you want to add? Um, we'll see what happens next week. Obviously for those that uh, are wondering or asking right now, um, yeah, the unofficial part of free agency where they can negotiate with players starts taking place on Monday at 11 a.m. Um, and that'll go until Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central time. And I'm doing the central standard time. So if you're in a different time zone, you'll have to calculate based off that. And then free agency and uh, formally begins on next Wednesday on March uh, on 16th. March 16th at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time, and that's when players can go wherever they want to at that point, and that's where um, where every NFL team has to be on their salary cap at that point. So people that keep asking about Frank Clark and about this player and that player, nothing has to be finally resolved or done until Wednesday before 3 p.m. So any moves that the teams may make. Some of those won't be made until, you know, potentially Wednesday to make them help them get under the cap or some of those moves may even be made after that. Just simply because some NFL teams don't like to get rid of players until they know where they're spending their money elsewhere and account for that money. That's what happens sometimes. So potentially if the chiefs are going to move on from Frank Clark, guess what? Until they get the next pass rusher that they're going to have replace him financially, like they may not make that move, you know, like that's happened before. It'll happen again for either the chiefs or other NFL teams. So you just got to let things play out. Can't, I know it's an on-demand world and everybody's kind of getting used to having instantaneous uh, either analysis or results or, you know, uh, that type of stuff. But that that's, you know, not everything in life is able to work like that. You don't, you can't typically, you can't build a house in a day, you know, like that's right. Time. But the, I mean, like the reason Hitchens, that was an easier decision for them because they've already got Nick Bolton on the roster. So they don't have to know, they don't have to wonder like, well, if we get rid of Anthony Hitchens, who are we replacing him with? They drafted that guy last year. So that was an easy decision to shed that money for salary cap reasons yep. with Anthony Hitchens. They clearly don't feel that way, nor should they about Josh Kando. So, <laughs> you know, so, right. um, so that's why, you know, until they know like, Oh, okay. So we're going to sign Zadarius or we're going to sign, 
you know, whoever it may be, um, you know, you know, they, they may still want to, you know, they got to keep, you know, they, they don't want to, um, get stuck having, you know, nobody there. I mean, Frank Clark is, he may not be a top 10 pass rusher anymore, but he's probably a top 30 edge in the NFL still. And you'd still rather have that than be stuck with nothing at edge. Um, you know, if, if it comes down to it, even if you need to find a way to rework that contract one way or the other. So that's what I'm saying. Just let things play out, give it time, and we'll see where everything goes from there. So it's not, you know, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, you know, the Chiefs don't have to create all their cap space at once. Like, they can do it in waves if they want to. If there's certain times they want to do it, they just got to – some of those players, depending on what they have language-wise in their contract, is when they may have to do certain parts of that before it locks in certain ways because of guarantees. So, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, just just let it all play out. It'll – uh and we'll see what they end up doing. But I mean, this is a big off season for them. And I, uh, selfishly, I hope they make some moves just so I don't have the traditional free agency thing in my mentions. Like, why aren't they making moves? Have you heard anything? You know, those type of things where, you know, I remember one year whenever everybody was getting panicked back during the Ramil era, when the chiefs hadn't signed anybody, even though they had all these players come in to visit and they ended up with Kendra bell on a Friday and everybody was celebrating that the chiefs got Kendra bell, even though they'd let, uh, Hartwell leave. And then I believe Samari roll as well that year, whenever they were trying to add some pieces to the defense. Yeah. And I mean, it, it sure sounds like one of the, you know, like you said, if you look at the, the Mahomes contract, they, they can, you know, move money around from Mahomes at any point. Tyreek Hill has like a $20.7 million um, cap number for next year. Um, oh, that's before, a, yeah, and I'll say that's a pretty easy one. I mean, there's a good chance that sometime after they all get back from Patrick Mahomes wedding that, um, you know, Tyreek will free up, you know, who knows anywhere from, from 10 to 15 million in cap space for next year. Um, and there's a good chance, you know, that's the kind of thing that could get done before the league, the league year starts that could become a game changer for the chiefs by 3 PM Wednesday. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing is like, you know, uh, if you follow Tyreek on social media, he's been out of, he's been out of the States. So I, if I'm in his shoes, like last thing I'm worrying about right there is the contract stuff. Just let your agent drew Rosenhaus take care of that. Then when you come back into town, you guys can chat at that point. And if it's in a good spot, then you can sign it after you get back into the States and kind of, you know, get back to the business part of it. It's not something that from a deadline perspective has to be rushed. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, Hey, I got nothing else. Um, I know you've got things to do probably yeah. involving game film. So um, um, yeah. uh, at some point, yes. Got a big 12 yeah. tournament going on too. Oh yeah. 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 Busy week in Kansas city. Um, I hear there was also a snowstorm. Um, there was, but don't worry. I got, I got through it in my truck and I didn't have to pick you up. So I was very happy about all that development. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, it's not my first winter in Kansas city. I'm, I'm fine. So it's good. But I mean, I'm, I'm saying I'm really happy that I've pushed you up in my truck and it made me ecstatic. If you want to pick up my young one from, from daycare tonight, though, you're more than welcome. Dude, he would love to see you and give you a hug. I'm pretty sure it's down the street from your house. I think it is. It absolutely is. But still, you know, um, so it is what it is. So we will see what happens in free agency. And then we'll have some podcasts next week based on what happens in free agency. Yeah, we can, we can chat about it more and, uh, and either, um, help you guys celebrate the moves they've made or, you know, help you calm down, uh, you know, quell your anger if they haven't made enough moves for your life. Yeah, as long as I don't end up in a Wendy's parking lot, I'll be good. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, take care, kids.